Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome back to a mini episode of the Baseball Dad Show. So in these mini episodes, we're going to tackle off the field and on the field issues um, in some topics that um, you know may not warrant an entire episode. So in this in this um, episode, it's going to be a two part episode. We're going to talk about pitching mechanics and what we can control, what we can't control. So in our Baseball Dads discussion group on Facebook, which if you're not a member of, please join us. It's an incredible group uh, coming up on about 2,000 members, very super active, super positive. Um, you can find a link to that at BaseballDadsShow.com, and you can link to the, uh, to the Facebook page where you can request a membership there. So from time to time, one of the dads will post a video or a picture of his son pitching and ask kind of for advice. And... Um, and, and some very well-intentioned and very well-meaning dads kind of give their advice. And, and some of it is good and some of it not so good, right? And here's why. If I were to take a word cloud, right, like a summary of all the words that surround pitching advice, the large majority of those words would be things that happen after the pitcher's front foot hits the ground. So if I'm a right-handed pitcher and I lift and I take my stride, my left foot hits the ground, my front foot hits the ground. And most of the advice that we give centers around things that happen after the front foot hits the ground. So you hear things talk about hip rotation or hip shoulder separation or torque or scap loading or um, a position of elbows or how the ball uh, out of the glove. You hear about cocking position. You hear about arm slot, arm action, follow through, head position, posture. All of these things um, are things that mostly happen after the front foot hits the ground. So what we can control, what we can't control as dads and coaches when teaching pitching is that a lot of the things that happen after the front foot hits the ground are a result of everything that happened before the front foot hit the ground. So I like to use the Leaning Tower of Peas as an example. And even if you've heard this from me before, it, it's certainly worth repeating and repeating and repeating. So if you look at the Leaning Tower of Peas, obviously it's leaning, right? And if you look at the, which floor is the most messed up, well, the top floor is about seven degrees off. And that's what gets the most attention, right? The top floor is off. But every floor, floor below that is what causes that top floor to be off. So you can't fix the top floor. You can't fix the fourth floor. Right? You can't even fix the first floor. All of those things are, um, are the result of a poor foundation. So even though the top floor is the most messed up, and most people, it's a longer discussion, but if it's going to break, it's going to break in the middle. Right? That's where all the pressure is. That's where the tearing is going to be. But the problem is in the foundation. So most times when we have a pitching flaw, and I spend most of my day talking with dads or doing pitching consoles. And most of the work we're doing is in working on how do we set up the first part of the delivery. Everything that happens from the, the first movement to the time the foot hits the ground. If we can get that right, a lot of the things that we try and correct or we label as flaws, self-correct. Not everything. And there always could be something wrong. Even with a good foundation and a good structure, it doesn't mean that a beam is not going to break on the fourth floor. But those problems are a lot easier to fix with a solid foundation. Now, here's the problem. Why don't we just focus that, our instruction, on that first part of the delivery? 
I mean, real easy. It's not very exciting. And it's hard to fill a year's worth of lessons with that. And it's hard to fill a two-day, three-day camp with focusing on that. But actually, a very qualified and a very um, uh, competent instructor, um, there's a whole lot more to it than just that movement um, of, of, of first moving into the stride. So um, a competent instructor really prepares a pitcher to set that up. If I can set up a pitcher to hit that front foot, hit the ground, and they could be in a good position, it's it's really hard for something else to go wrong. Now, and this is, again, maybe for a longer podcast, if they cannot get that right, if after we've done that instruction and they still can't get that first movement right, and once they comprehend and they understand it, then there's other issues to look at, right? There could be a physical restriction. There could be a physical weakness, a muscle tightness, a muscle imbalance, um, it could just be a maturity thing. It could be a coordination issue. So there's a lot of things that come into play there. But if, if you can focus on this, if you can get your son to get that first movement right, if he can get everything right from this first movement to the time his front foot hits the ground, it is really hard for much more to go wrong in the pitching delivery. And if it does go wrong, it's much easier to correct. So um, I'm going to do a separate podcast talking about grip. And how when we talk about grip, how it affects pitches is really not um, a, a really good investment of time. We want to spend our, our coaching time, our practice time, and our instruction in trying to figure out pitch grip. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, head on over to BaseballDadShow.com. We have so much stuff over there for you. And um, I'll see you on the next podcast. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I wanted to let you know I have a new book out specifically for baseball dads, and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to baseballdadsbook.com. All the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.